Hello and welcome to the Higher Training Podcast. I am Darren McGuinness, aka Coach Pig. On this week's episode, I am going to be joined by Joel Doey. Now, Joel is a long-time coach and myself and him dig deep into all things training. We bust a few myths when it comes to training. We discuss bro splits, not blow sprits. <laughs> bro splits and whether or not they are the most effective way to get stronger or to build muscle. We dig into how past training can impact how fast you make gains. And we also discuss what types of training we actually should do. Now, for a lot of us, we are re-entering the gyms for the first time since lockdown. This is a very good episode for you to listen to, to maybe take some knowledge from a very informative coach. Make sure you go and follow him. And if you're a first-time listener, give us a little share on the Instagram or on Facebook. Let us know what you think of it. And if you want to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, I'll be greatly appreciated. Enough rambling from me. Let's get stuck into this episode. Boom. And we are live. Thanks again for coming on, Joel. It's a pleasure no to have you. Yeah. And a great place to start would be to give us a little bit of context before we start getting into any of the serious topics today. Context is important. And I think yeah, learning okay. a little bit about people's story and what got them into what they're doing is always important. So starting from there, what got you into coaching? And do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Um, I've always loved sport, you know, I've played it for since I can remember, you know, three, four or five years old out in the back garden with a ball kind of thing. And throughout school, um, absolutely love sport. And it wasn't really until uh, senior rugby, really, that I kind of got into the gym. And from that developed my love of, of proper training, I suppose you would call it. Um, I kind of dosed around my early 20s a little bit. Um, and then went back to university uh, at 23 to do uh, strength and conditioning. Um, and from there, uh, I could really see how coaching would help a lot of people. Um, I coached um, at the Salford Red Devils uh, rugby league team. And with a few like under 18s GB swimmers and things like that. And just loved it. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, but I wanted to reach out to... Uh, non-elite uh, kind of sporting teams really um, or just anyone um, so that's where I kind of got into PT and PT and general public and helping them to kind of just have a better understanding of health and fitness and nutrition training um, that I felt at the time uh, you know we're talking eight nine ten years ago uh, uh, the level of coaching then I don't think was fantastic. I think today's much, much better. Um, but back then that's kind of what got me into the coaching was that there wasn't that higher level of education for the um, general population, the masses really. Mm. They were left to look at magazines and listen to newspaper articles that's about it. where to get yeah. their stuff. <laughs> the internet was just kind of, <laughs> growing then you know forums had kind of started but then with the forums you had the bros telling you what to do and oh yeah and it just wasn't great advice really that was being given out to people um i still see it in gyms today you know a lot of people are following a bodybuilding routine 
when really that's not what would benefit them the best, I don't think. So, yeah, chuck back 10 years ago, the, the advice that was going around wasn't fantastic. You know, you might have had a couple of great trainers, but um, their ability to spread their message wasn't, wasn't there really. So um, that's, that's really what got me in the coaching. I wanted to help as many people as possible mm. um, understand their training and nutrition a bit better. And just the, your starting point uh, with your coaching was more with the sports and athlete mm. side of things. I was similar to myself. Whenever I, I did sports science in Dublin, and I, my thing was I wanted to work with athletes. I think that's early on, uh, most, most lads that have played sport, when they get into some coaching field, they're like, I want to work with athletes. And then you learn soon off that it's probably one of the most thankless jobs that you can do is never <laughs> yeah. actually get into it. And it's not paid that well either. <laughs> and yeah, it was a, a pretty shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I went to uni to become a, a, a coach of a sports team, hopefully, mm. you know, and do the, do the S&C side of a sports team. Quickly realized I didn't want to do that um, purely because of that. You know, it's thankless. It's not very well paid. Um, and in fact, you know, it's kind of tricky to get into because a lot of ex-players get put through some sort of qualification that then they can go and coach. And obviously, uh, the the employers will just pick them every time, really. So. Yeah, yeah. Not, not much you can do about that. <laughs> and I, I'm sure you learned your lessons from it, though. It's important because mm. you, you need to experience it before you can decide whether or not, right, it's not for me. Exactly that, man. And with that, as I say, I, I quickly learned that... Um, helping the general population is, is really what I was after. Yeah, and making that switch, it, it, it's right in the sense where it's about the education and the understanding because when it comes to athletes, that's not really at the forefront of their mind. They're there to do what they're told, do their bits. Well, do what very they're told so. when, when you're watching. <laughs> yeah, I know very much so. You know, you, you tell an athlete to eat at such a time, they'll do it. Hmm. Um, but helping, you know, a mum of three, understand about her nutrition her needs um is a very very different thing you know mm. and when you're an athlete all these things that uh, can um, uh, affect your performance you're going to want to do the best for it. like athletes are generally singular and are enough focused uh, but very much so. regular folk we've got so many things going on um, yeah this example that you mentioned there a busy mum there there's so many things that she has to think about and yeah probably last is her nutrition out of everything do you know what i mean exactly um, and, and if we can put a bit of focus on her nutrition she'll feel a lot better and have more energy and all those sorts of things you know absolutely and you, you've been in you've been in uh, coaching for a while i'm sure you've learned some serious lessons along the way but i'm also <laughs> uh, i'm also considering that you've probably changed your opinion on a lot of things since you started coaching oh massively i mean i've i'm I think it's important as a coach to be able to change your mind mm. um, and don't get so blinkered in, in what you believe in. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. When I first started coaching, it, it, it was very much, you know, I wanted to work with elite athletes. And when I moved into general population training, some of that carried over, you know, some of it was, uh, I, I didn't quite understand why a client wouldn't eat what I've told them to kind of eat and that kind of things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but my stance across many, many things has changed over the years. Um, and, it, and it still does, you know. Mm. Um, my stance around uh, nutrition has changed a lot over the last couple of years. And certainly my stance around what type of training um, 
uh, that's best, not best, but uh, appropriate for a lot of people has changed a lot. I still think that, you know, strength training should be at the core of what a lot of people do. Um, but that strength training doesn't necessarily have to be um, a, a quads day and a hamstrings day and a chest day or whatever. It just needs to facilitate you into having a better life, moving better, um, and yeah, just a general better quality of life overall. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And that particular case of uh, that you mentioned earlier, people doing bodybuilding style training, just because that's what they've seen. Yeah. And when they think fitness, they think uh, bodybuilding competitions. They think Arnold. They think all of that. That's mostly with lads and. Obviously, yeah. with females, it's a little bit different. They they get uh, they get sucked down the path of banded exercises, which <laughs> which which is the thing we could talk about for a while as well. But <laughs> speak about the lads' case first of all. But um, why, like, for la- people who are listening to this that maybe do still kind of approach it with your you know your chest day, your shoulders day, back day, mm-hmm. why is it not maybe the best approach for them if they're not looking to get on stage anytime soon? If your primary goal is, say, strength, or even if it is muscle building, mm. you know, training a, a, a muscle group multiple times per week and having the ability to recover from that is probably more appropriate than having a classic bodybuilding legs day, chest day, back day, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and even the movements that are within those sort of classic bodybuilding um days you know uh i don't know like a dumbbell fly for instance mm-hmm. a dumbbell fly isn't a particularly good exercise for building your pec muscles mm-hmm. um you know using a cable or some sort of machine might be better however saying all of that getting back to say if movement is something that's better you know press ups or ring dips or things like that will definitely build up the muscle while still incorporating really solid movement around the shoulder and keeping everything nice and healthy. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you can put, you can still build muscle and you can get more flexible. You can get more mobile, you can get stronger, you can improve your movement. You can do it all together. Um, yeah. doesn't have to be a separate thing. No, uh, exactly that. Um, I, it I know kind my, of has to be all inclusive. Exactly. I know my older self would have been like, oh, unless I'm walking out of the gym, not able to move my arms after an arm session, it's not a good yeah. session. Yeah. I don't want, I, I can't wash my face because my arms are so pumped, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that ex- exact example, uh, example of the ring dips, that's one thing that kind of I've incorporated. I have incorporated a lot of uh, yeah. recently. Instead of going straight for like, you know, traditional bench press or dumbbell press that people mm-hmm. would go for, I would try and push clients towards maybe trying doing a dip or as as you say, yeah. push up a way to push up something along those lines. And you know what? People realize soon off that it's probably more fun doing those exercises as well. Hundred percent. I was just about to come on to that. Like learning the skill of a ring dip or maybe some power cleans or some sort of uh, athletic movement that kind of transfers into real life. That is way more fun to do than lying down on a bench and pressing a couple of dumbbells. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, and speaking of the enjoyment factor, that's one thing that's kind of 
that's been a, a, an area that where I might pick up clients for, from is people that kind of got bored of that sort of training mm. is because it is repetitive. The exercises that people generally incorporate into those sort of splits tend to be very similar and yeah. there's not, there's not much uh, variation involved in it. Um, I know I used to do the same five exercises all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, no uh, actual plan. Just go in and, and some, someday I might do like drop sets. Someday I might just go as heavy as I can. And yeah. don't get me wrong. I got in good shape, but there's only a, there's a certain point that you reach and you're Definitely. like, you're screwed yeah. after that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. You know, I do think that some um, straightforward exercises need to be done. And we do have to push through a bit of monotony sometimes to get the results that we want. But it shouldn't come at the overall cost of i really want to go to the gym today mm. you know what i mean or i want to do some form of exercise it doesn't have to be the gym um but we should always feel like yeah okay i know that this will be really good for me let's go and get it done yeah absolutely that that's good and uh with that with your training uh with uh, as as a coach so i'd say from the start of your training to now you've probably made a massive switch in like the mental in your exercise selection and, and, and the reason why you do certain things. Is that something that you try and incorporate with clients is in like teaching them the reason why you do it and it's not just to build bigger muscles? Oh, no, 100%. Like um, I try and explain to all of my clients why we do a certain thing. Um, and it's not just because or your goal was to build a bit of muscle or whatever. It is because, you know, if you can do this in the gym then we can incorporate that through in the real life or you'll feel better getting out of bed or playing with your kids or whatever it might be um explaining why you do something training or nutritional protocols whatever it might be you have to do that to the clients so they understand what's going on really what your vision for them is and then the two of you can come together and be like yes that's good it should definitely be a two-way street, I think, coaching. Um, you definitely need feedback from a um, person or the client to be like, are we going in the direction that you want to go? And are you happy with that? Um, so if your coach isn't doing that, I would ask why. And then maybe find a coach that does want to do that with you. Yeah. that's. I remember somebody mentioned to me before that they're – the coach wouldn't didn't adapt their training to them, uh, even though they'd said that their back had been hurting on a particular exercise. And I yeah. found that strange. I like when, when she had mentioned, uh, or she had mentioned it to the coach, he was just like, "Oh, maybe your techniques not not just isn't just right, but never give any context as to maybe how to make it better or mm. some way." Yeah. And I, I was just like, yeah. "Silly." It, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing to do it, it, to to try and um, for for regular folk to differentiate between coaches that they should hire or get involved with and and not. What do you think are some like factors that are non-negotiable? It's quite tricky this because I'm not a full advocate of before and afters. Mm. Yes, they're great. You know, you can see a clear difference, but you know they're only snapshots in time, and they don't talk you through the entire process they don't tell you whether that client was 
tired all the time or if they had enough energy, if they were moody or not moody. You know, it doesn't really give you um, the coaching process. It just gives you the snapshots. But I do think that client testimonials are probably the best thing to look for when you're looking for a new coach. So maybe even speak to those clients, you know, slip into their DMs, be like, what was that coach like? What were you working towards? Were you happy with your results? Were you happy with the coaching process? That's probably more important than the the end result, I actually think. I actually think if you're happy with the coaching process and everything that the coach has taught you, then you know you're you're going to be happy enough to tell someone else yes this was brilliant um so i would look out for that um if you're looking for a new coach um yeah it's tricky because go on i was going to say with the testimonials i know there's a i'm glad that you pointed out the the things about energy and how to feel through the process because there's a toxic sort of uh tradition with a lot of body transformation gym to just show pictures they don't show mm. they don't show any context behind how that person got on and through yeah. throughout that whole period was the or the checking in with the mood see how they were getting on how was the stress yeah. levels there was yeah. none of that i think if you i would be similar to yourself where i'm like before and after photos i'm still a little bit on the fence about but i think if people have that context in there being like did they look after the person's mental health when they had them on uh, lower calories and yeah. you know, all oh. these small things? It's so important. So important. And, you know, with my clients, um, I have a, a quite an extensive, I'm sure you do as well, Darren, a quite an extensive spreadsheet for them to fill out every week then for my check-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at sleep, at hunger, at soreness. Uh, how their training was, what their mood was like, what's their biggest win, what's what's something that they want to work on for the next week. All of these things, really, that's the coaching, really. You can give someone a program or you can give someone, you know, how many calories they eat or whatever, but really it comes down to how are they coping with all of that and implementing it into their life. You know, with a lot of my clients, I try and create new habits for them because that's what's really going to help them with their results is setting just a couple of new little habits on the daily that over time add up to, okay, now I know how to do this. Now I know how to do this. My end goal or goal um, is much more manageable now. It's not as scary. Those small wins may, may make it a lot less scary. Yeah, and those and it is it's a daily thing, um, and they don't have to be big things. You know, they can be as small as, um, you know, a couple extra thousand steps a day. That that's really it. You know, that's what it comes down to. Um, doesn't have to be right. You must do three huge cardio sessions a week and hit 15k steps and this and this and this Mm. let's just get a couple small non-negotiable habits in there and let them happen and by the end of it you're you're going to be so much more closer to your goal 100 i think a big a big thing that people try and do when they want to make changes they try and change everything everything and that's that's the issue quite often um you know one of the things i'll get my clients to do in their first week um is not change an awful lot really Mm. you know 
eat the same foods that you're eating, but be mindful of them and maybe just have slightly smaller portions. But, you know, you know, you see these coaches <laughs> who gave out a brand new diet plan with foods that these people have never eaten before and expect them to just go away and crack on with it. Like, first of all, that's not teaching you anything about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And second of all, that's just setting yourself up to fail because you're going to be so overwhelmed with, oh my God, I have to have these four meals and three snacks all at exact times or whatever. When really, all you know, slowly just adapting what you're already eating and maybe changing your maybe your sleep routine a little bit not you know a good a portion of the time that's going to be enough really absolutely i i remember somebody said to me before uh, a client came on board and after the first week they're like so are, are we not like going to change it and it was like i was like well you've added in an extra walk most days and they're like yeah 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 and uh You've also got your protein levels up to about 20 grams per meal. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, we're not going to change like everything. And I was like, those two things, oh, they're more than enough yeah. for right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's nice when that finally clicks with them. Mm. You know, when someone realizes that those two maybe small, very, very small things is enough and how easy that was to implement into their life mm. um, that, you know, they will they will just crack on with that and as you say the results will come yeah and the more wins you get the the less scary bigger wins seem like Definitely. i watched uh i'm big into video games i used to be that kid who after school would play for like four hours well yeah. I, I went to sports training and after that if if i was if i was feeling like it after playing playstation but i was watching a documentary last night on netflix and they were talking about how to create the games and to make it the challenge, like it goes up in levels. So you get easy, difficult, and then you beat the boss and it gets easy again and it keeps going up a little bit. And every time it goes up like that, and I almost imagine the coaching process should be like that as well. Yeah, I like that analogy. To a degree. Obviously, there's it's not going to be linear like that, but no. I'm going to use that. I'm going to iron that analogy up and, yeah. and make it a little there's bit some, better. Uh, social media <laughs> posts and that, so there is. Absolutely. <laughs> and when it came to sports, whenever you're younger, you mentioned that. Uh, what sort of sports were you into? Oh, everything. Um, primary school, it was football, rugby, tennis, badminton, swimming, um, just anything I could get my hands on, really. Uh, cricket, athletics. Um, grammar school um, was more rugby and athletics in the summer. Played a bit of golf. Um, nice but mix. then kind of, as I say, you know, once, once, uh, rugby stopped after, after grammar school, the gym kind of took its place really. Um, and you know, not really looked back since. That's uh, similar enough to myself. And it's something I always try to uh, talk to clients about, especially if they haven't played sports is the, the, f- the amount of impact playing sports can have on how well you get on in the gym environment. Um, mm. Huge skill acquisition, um, balance, everything, strength, the whole lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, do you find that sometimes clients' expectations can be quite hard to to manage on that side of things if they see people who seem at the same level as them but they're they're not? Yeah, um, 
I've, I've never really struggled managing clients' expectations because I, I bite it off at the start straight away. Mm. You know, um, I, I quickly say, you know, this isn't an easy process and, and all that kind of thing. If, if they're expecting to walk in and, and bench 100 kg, that's not going to happen, you know what yeah. I mean? Unless they're already at that level. But um, no, I've never really struggled managing their expectations. Um, but there is definitely a difference between those who have played sport at a younger age than anyone who's come into the gym and never really played sport. Mm. You know, their coordination or their ability to move the body through space um, is uh, a little bit more limited. Mm. On the flip side, though, generally they've never picked up an injury. So in terms of like their mobility and flexibility, usually a bit better. Um, I myself have had numerous rugby injuries and my ankles are a little bit messed up from it. Um, Same here. So, yeah, so flexion and squats and things like that is a bit tricky for me. Whereas, you know, I've had guys come in and body weight squat right, right down because they've never had that that kind of thing. So there's pros and cons to, to both. You know. Absolutely. And that particular case of... Uh... Ankles, I think, is a commonplace thing for most uh, field-based uh, athletes, Definitely. anybody who wears boots. Um, yeah. I would coach a lot of Gaelic footballers, and I, I enjoy throwing in the little bit of ankle mobility test and at the start, like just to see, just to just see to what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> to show them like That's the difference. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is no fails. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, with. With that uh, side of things, is something is working with sports ever going to be something that you'd be looking to do in the future, or do you think that's? Um, I wouldn't say no to it, mm. but it's not a path that I'm currently wanting to go down um, or exploring, really. Um, but no, I wouldn't wouldn't say no to it. Um, I have in the past coached um, teenagers in like Olympic lifting and things like that, nice. and I've really enjoyed that. Um, so that might be something that later down the line I might look at again um, because I do think getting the youth into some sort of strength training you know you look at America and you look at Australia and New Zealand you know all those kids are strength training under a very watchful eye mm. um, but you know when it comes to um, those sorts of sports in the in world and you know Olympics or, or on the world stage those guys have got a, a big step up on us Purely Absolutely. because they're doing it at a at a younger age. Yeah, and I even know from uh, anecdotally, like from team, rugby teams that uh, underage would have been lifting weights, like you know, fifteen, sixteen, not doing heavy weights, but just like technique. Mm. Yeah, on the pitch, different level. Oh, like, completely, completely. And I still think maybe more so back home in Ireland, there's still the thing of like kids shouldn't lift weights because it's going to stunt their growth. But you know, there's been a lot of uh, evidence to show that that's. Uh, bullshit more than that (laughs) very much so yeah Um, I actually think back home in Ireland um, sports is taken a bit more serious at the school level Um, you know or or at least uh, there's more I don't know availability of Mm -hmm. sports in schools Um, I just hope that you know the strength side of things will come through I know it's sort of sort of um, first 15 level for the rugby boys um, they're all pretty much in the gym mm. um, probably have been since I left school um, but I hope that trickles down a little bit towards uh, under 15s and maybe even under 14s and stuff you know 
Yeah, it's only going to benefit the game in the in the yeah, long run. And it's in, in Gaelic football in particular, it's starting to creep in a lot more. And most that's good. Most lads are doing a wee bit. Um, something. Now we can get we can get on to talking about the amount of time they're spending on foam rolling another time. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, exactly. We're not there then. That right. <laughs> um, one post that I uh, I really liked of yours recently was talking about your uh, the pelvic tilt that you yeah working on uh, improving um for the people who maybe don't know what i'm talking about by pelvic tilt or why you would want to maybe change it or uh, improve how, how it works what uh, do you want to give a little background on what you improved and why you need to do, to do it yeah so pelvic tilt is essentially a tilting of our pelvis um either way from normal or more natural spinal alignment um, you'll typically see it anteriorly, which means um, your butt kind of sticks out a bit. Yeah. Um, so you'll have a bit hashtag more against the girl. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Saying nothing. Obviously. Um, so you'll typically have a more exaggerated curve in your lower back. Mm. Now, in your twenties, thirties, that's probably not an issue. Um, but certainly later in life, that's going to cause some issues. You know, you're going to struggle standing off the sofa or getting out of bed, you know, in your 60s, 70s, 80s, that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's worth um, looking at that and trying to correct that as best as possible. Now, there isn't one, I wouldn't say that there's one main cause of it, but what typically happens is that there's an imbalance of strength um, <clears throat> in different muscle groups. So what typically happens is we have weak um, stretched hamstrings, but also weak, tight hip flexors. And it's a case of getting both of them stronger within the appropriate ranges of movement. That all sounds very technical um, to anyone listening that doesn't have any sort of biomechanical background. Um, but really all it means is we sit down too much. Um, and by sitting down, we passively shorten our hip flexors or you know the the top of our quads that run through our hip and we need to strengthen them in that range and then also strengthen our hamstrings um which can be done quite easily but you have to take a step back from your current training program uh lockdown was the perfect time really in terms of well not during lockdown but post lockdown was kind of the perfect time for me to do this so I did have quite an exaggerated uh, lordotic curve um, or pelvic tilt. And post-lockdown, everyone is going to be a bit weaker um, and should have spent some amount of time uh, lifting, heavy, uh, lifting lighter weights, uh, focusing on their technique and improving some of these issues coming out. What happened before lockdown was everyone's stuck in their program. Everyone wants to get stronger or bigger or faster, and they don't want to take the time to, to correct these things. So coming out of post-lockdown, um, what I tend to do was work on um, strengthening my hip flexors, strengthening my hamstrings, and working on um, core activation. So I really worked on relearning how to brace properly. And again, I think that's a whole other, whole other podcast in itself almost. But um, by doing that, I was able to then shift my hips 
almost back to where they should be. Uh, my pelvis, sorry, um, because my hip flexors are stronger, my hamstrings are stronger. Yeah, my quads may have gotten a bit smaller, but I'm okay with that because long term, I'm going to move a hell of a lot better. Mm. And getting stronger, growing muscle, getting faster, whatever it is my goal might be, mm. simply because uh, I'm moving better. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's it's a very, very, uh, not too detailed, but a very well-explained <laughs> way of uh, talking about it. And look, some things you just can't, you have to you have to speak in a certain way. You can't simplify them down anymore. But yeah. that, uh, that example of like, you know, people in their 20s and 30s not really having, it mightn't affect you that much. For some people, it might probably not affect them ever. But, you know, if you can, one thing I noticed now, this is only, from from seeing people, from coaching people, and from what other coaches said, that you tend to get some sometimes the effects are hinging mechanics as well. Whenever the the, the pelvic tilt isn't um, maybe it's uh, it's that anterior pelvic tilt. Um, did you notice that with yourself, or was that uh, would you say your hing hinging result has been quite good for people who don't know what hinging is? It's you know you're similar to your deadlift movement, or your that's probably the easiest way I can explain it. It's bending at the hip, so. There's, yeah. there's the, the easiest way to say it. Yeah, thinking about move, moving your hip back and, and forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it did lend itself to more injury potential. Hmm. Um, I have injured my lower back a couple of times. Um, more so not through, it was never the big lifts. It was never like a one rep max attempt or anything like that. It was simply um, because of this in I don't like to say imbalance, but because of this uh, wrong, stru yeah. wrong structure, mm -hmm. wrong position, that long term, even whilst doing sub-maximal work at you know 60% of one net max, I wasn't actually recovering from it that well because it was overused, because it was in the wrong position. Mm. So by getting it into the right position again, it won't be... Um, it, it will be able to recover that be better because it's not being overused mm. yeah you, the, the right the correct muscle well not the not that there's correct muscles but yeah. the the muscles that you would want to be taking over most of the movement weren't and now now they are to a degree yeah exactly that yeah but yeah. i th i think that's a big part of training that people don't look at when general population people don't look at is that you should there's parts of the body that you maybe want to improve how you move like mm -hmm. for that particular case, um, that should be a focus as much as like looking better. Um, the aesthetics is only a small part. Yeah, I think aesthetics comes with any sort of training. Mm. Um, and I think different training have different aesthetics, if that makes sense. So yeah, if you want to look like a bodybuilder, train like a bodybuilder, but you don't have to train like a bodybuilder to um, have some sort of muscle definition or some sort of shape to your muscle mm. uh, that can come with with various many different other types of training i think um, crossfit crossfit kind of came in and give people another kind of um aesthetic to look towards um, yeah. I, that's the way i kind of look at bodybuilding was the first one and crossfit's the the newer one which is the lean a lot of people towards go towards the route of crossfit or functional training yeah 
<laughs> that's why I had to put the fingers up there. <laughs> um, I think CrossFit gets a bad rap. Um, I did CrossFit for a while. I enjoyed it. I do think that it is very hard to recover from, and it is a very highly skilled base. Uh, type of training that if you're suited to you will excel at very very well but if you're not if you're if you've never learned how to clean properly or kip or do anything yeah you're gonna hurt yourself but you know um i do think it gets a bit of a bad rap for that but no aesthetically yeah those crossfit guys and girls look brilliant you know mm. um I was going to touch on something. I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> happens. Happens to me at least uh, four or five times. <laughs> just, just going back to the imbalances, sorry. Um, not all imbalances are bad because, you know, our body isn't balanced. Hmm. You know, <sighs> organs are all over the place. You know, we've got our stomach on one side and our liver down around another on the other side. And not everything on the inside is symmetrical. Um, you're always going to favor one side. You know, if you're right-handed, you're always going to throw better with your right hand, which means the muscle mechanics on that right-hand side are always going to be better. Mm. I always, always tell this with um, usually guys, uh, but sometimes girls. You know, girls, if they play hockey at school, guys, if they play football at school, that whatever leg they use the balance on to kick the ball or to strike the hockey ball, they'll be better at lunging on because their balance is so much better on that side. So if they kick the ball with the right, they'll lunge better with their left side. And, and there'll always be that kind of imbalance. Um, so don't always think an imbalance is bad. Um, just maybe take the time to start to bring them slightly closer together, but they don't need to be identical. No, and I think it's the awareness is the big thing. Um, to be aware of it, and if something, if you do start getting pain or you get an injury, mm. that awareness of okay, maybe this is related to because of this uh, imbalance. Or for anybody who's played like uh, any field sport, really, where you kick or you throw or boxers, you're gonna have that one side that's a little bit more yeah. than the other. But you don't have to go down the route of changing all the time. Um, no. I, I know in baseball in in America, that's a, the pitchers are crazy one-sided because of the that crazy yeah, yeah. they get into coaches have tried to change and try to balance out the imbalance and then the players end up being worse worse um, off yeah the culture was fast or whatever it might be yeah yeah so it's not it doesn't have to be done just be aware of it um i know i know people sometimes freak out when they do like a a, a squat and they lean to one side slightly more or the ankle mobility is a little bit worse on one side and i'm like okay just play any sports played hockey or I played played football and I'd be like, there's part prob probably a reason like the hips probably aren't symmetrical because they're not going to be anywhere. Mm. Um, that the way to balance. But uh, co coming away from imbalances, you've recently moved house. What has that experience been like? <laughs> so far, it's been good. Um, yeah. So I used to live in Stoke, and I now live in Doncaster in South Yorkshire. Uh, Yorkshire's gorgeous, by the way. If no one's ever been, go to Yorkshire. It's beautiful. Um, but the actual moving of house, we've bought a house and we're currently doing it up. Um, so we're not actually in it yet. Um, we're staying with Christy's mum. But no, the house renovations are, are going there. What I'm finding tough actually is, you know, I have quite a um, labour-intensive job. I... Um, train four times a week 
you know, I'm doing 20,000 steps a day, which is quite a lot. And then I'm essentially being a laborer in the house, you know, so my, I'm, I'm struggling to work out my recovery. So today I've done nothing. I've not been at the house. I've not trained, just having a complete down day. Um, but no, the house is fun. It's a little bit stressful. It's a complete shell at the minute. Um, there's about three walls knocked out and all the <laughs> tiles are off the floor and wallpapers being stripped and everything. So, but it's fun. It's fun. And what's nice is we're making it our own, you know, we're putting our own stamp on it and doing it exactly as we want it to be. So it'll be really nice to move into. I love that. And you, you touched on something that I was going to ask about, which was the stress side of things. Um, yeah. I, like we, we, we've been hemming and hand about possibly finding somewhere else to live. And it's like, the thought of having to move makes me not want to even look at places. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I'm quite low maintenance. I try not to get too stressed out. I'm, you know, a lot of people would consider me overly chilled out sometimes. Um, but certainly trying to organize, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be project manager here and trying to organize the electrician and then the you know plaster and the plumber all went to come and all those sorts of things it is it is a little bit stressful but i think at the minute more sure the physical stress is mm. is quite tricky to, to manage you mentioned one thing which is today where you're not doing it and but what sort of strategies do you incorporate for yourself to kind of manage that stress um well you know just be aware of it and then make plans to have less stressful days essentially um so i knew that uh i was doing this podcast today and i just didn't want to do anything else really you know um so planning those days in terms of like on the daily that kind of thing um i was talking to christy christy's my girlfriend i was talking to christy um, and she has a very very busy life and i was saying christy you need to have an hour a day where it's Christy time you know if, if you go and do whatever you want to do you know that might be go to the gym that might be go run a bath that might be read a book for an hour do you know what I mean um for me I love to cook and if I can just put on some music and make some really nice food um if anyone's seen my Instagram they know I love the uh, you know an omelette or some bolognese or something like that um cooking seems to be my my de-stressor i like that i i like a like a bit of cooking as well to de-stress um how do you deal with those nights where you're like i am not bothered cooking do you still <laughs> do you just get into it and then the stress relief starts coming on or sometimes yeah sometimes sometimes if i can't be bothered i i do batch cook quite mm. a bit um i don't i don't like the term meal prep i don't mm. like it but you know i'll make like last night i made a huge bolognese and there's maybe four or five extra portions in it now. Lovely. Um, you know, so if, if there's ever a night where I don't want to cook, that's there. But yeah, um, I do sometimes almost force myself to cook because I know that I will relax and, and de-stress with it. Yeah, for sure. That's almost like uh, me with walking sometimes. Uh, walking from home is something strange for me. I have uh, never done it in like a... I've always been out of the house working. Um, I've been making sure that I get out for a walk. Most importantly, the times when I'm like, I don't want to get up out of this chair because, yeah. you know, as soon as you start walking, tunes are on, or even if I go for a phoneless walk, you just start feeling better straight away. Yeah, definitely. Um, something I've 
the last couple of weeks, I've made sure I've gotten up um, to walk Teddy, our, our puppy. Um, and some mornings I won't bring my phone, some mornings I will, but just being out there uh, with him early morning, no one else around, it's great. Oh, I am very jealous that you have a dog, old man. <laughs> very jealous. Oh, you need one. Get one. The yeah. best, best ever. Yeah, that's that's definitely in the next few years. That's another thing I need to add uh, is is the dog because I think it's very good. Obviously, it's lovely to have a dog there. I've had dogs growing up all the time, but uh, getting out for walks is that much easier when you have yeah. a, a dog to take out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, going going off from that, then getting your training in. Do you find do you find uh, managing like your own business and obviously right now is a stress of time, but like. Uh, getting the house set up do you find managing your own training and making sure that gets done do you find that hard i've never found that hard and that's something that i've really tried to understand with other people mm. um because i do i do get that you know training uh is a little bit down the lower lower down the list for some people um uh, you know so with my clients and things like that i've really tried to understand their point of view um, but I've never really struggled with that I've always managed to right if I'm training today I'm getting it in somewhere mm. um, obviously there's days I don't want to go that's that's part and parcel of it um, I'll still try and get it in and I usually feel better afterwards um, more, more often than not you'll feel better afterwards um, but no um, I think training is just part of my life um, you know, if I go on holiday, if I go on holiday, like sometimes I'll train, sometimes I'll not. Sometimes I'll take, I'll plan that it's a complete week off. Um, or other times I still want to train because I enjoy it, you know. Um, I think making training enjoyable or whatever exercise that you choose. I always try and say this in my Instagram, you know, um, it doesn't have to be the gym. You know, you could go horse riding or take a yoga class or whatever it is, whatever, some form of movement and exercise that doesn't necessarily have to be gym based, but you have to enjoy it. Um, Cause if you enjoy it, you'll do it as long as possible. Same thing with eating as well. I always try and put that across. If you're eating chicken, chicken, broccoli <laughs> and, and, and rice all the time, there's only so long you can fucking do it. No, <laughs> well, mo- most of us saying people, there's only so long we can do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I, I try and make my food as enjoyable as possible as well. And this is kind of going back to what we started talking about at the start was, you know, if, if I can get a, a, a client to eat what they're currently eating, maybe up their protein a little, because that's usually the case, and maybe eat a little bit less, but the same sorts of foods that they enjoy eating, mm. they're going to enjoy what they're doing and then wonder why their trousers are too big for them now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Wait, I can eat spaghetti bolognese. I don't have to stop eating pasta. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? I can have a few beers at the weekend? Like, yeah, of course <laughs> you can. Crack on. Yeah, I, I love, love that one when they're like, oh, I, I'm probably going to give up the drink now for this, for this like month and just see how we get on. And I'm like, yeah. but why, why, why do you want to do that? Yeah, or what's going to happen at the end of that month, you know? yeah. Yeah, I would just be like, why, why don't you have a, do you like having a pint on a Saturday night? I'd have a pint most Saturday night. And then go have yeah. your pint. Maybe you say, right, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm having a limit of three to five pints, pints, and then see how you get on. If you drink more, 
well then we'll uh, approach it again next week and see how we can and that's the way of doing it and that to me that's proper coaching that's you know taking in the information and then adjusting to go forward from there yeah boom okay we're gonna branch off into the the final we we sections here we're gonna bust through some common gym gym beliefs okay. or things that people would <laughs> oh, co- commonly believe in in the gym um yes, yeah. so if you see somebody in the squat rack uh doing bicep curls that's what? absolutely fine that's fine i've done it it's absolutely yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> i love I that don't i don't mind people doing that as long as if someone wants to squat they let them have the rack. Right, fair. I think that's, that's a, a decent kind of compromise there. Because I don't want to pick up the bar from the ground. I'm lazy. I want to pick up the bar from a, my normal height. Plus the uh, weight's, to, weight, weight's that heavy that you can't pick it up off the floor, no, yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, Deadlift, dead, deadlift's 100, <laughs> bicep curl 150. <laughs> but no, I think, I think that's okay. I, you know, it's one of those things. That the, the squat rack is holy ground. Um, I think maybe I was a wee bit, um, I used to coach at Strength Asylum in Stoke, uh, which is a great gym. And we were maybe a bit um, fortunate to have, you know, we, I think we had eight or 10 squat racks in there, mm. um, which is a lot, you know, so there was always a couple free squat racks. So if you wanted to curl in it, you could. Nah, that's all right. Yeah. Us, yeah. Commercial gyms is a different story where you have only one very squat rack. Yeah, very different story. Get out the rack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, heavier is always better. No, heavy. This could be another podcast in itself. Hey, let's um, go. Let's go. <laughs> um, I would never say light training is appropriate, but heavier is not always better. There's always a time to uh, less to lighten the load that you're using, um, especially if technique is compromised. So if, um, you know, I, I, I can't remember, apart from my powerlifting clients, I don't think I had anyone do less than four reps, five reps, you know, three triples and doubles and singles, leave them for the powerlifters. For, for general population, you can get stronger, get bigger, faster, whatever, with between six and 15 reps, that's fine. You don't need to go heavier. Uh, what I would advocate is force production. Um, you know, if you want to get stronger or bigger, produce more force, um, both externally and internally. Now, that, again, that does sound a little bit um, uh, tricky to wrap your head around, and maybe we will do another podcast on, <laughs> on these topics now. Um, but your, you know, if you can make the muscle do more work with a lighter load that's always with a lighter load than super heavy Mm. that's always better you want to get the most reward with the least amount of risk definitely definitely boom um one one thing that i i used to see a lot of in the past was people wearing um back braces or not back braces the weightlifting belt while doing any form of deadlift yeah would you what what's your stance on on wearing the the belt? Um, I don't mind belts being worn for deadlifts, mm. for deadlifts squats. I don't like belts being worn to make your waist smaller. Mm. Doesn't happen. Doesn't work. Um, 
I don't like belts being worn for bicep curls or uh, lateral raises or seeing people walk into the gym already wearing their belt. <laughs> like, come on, what's going on there? But no, I don't mind it for deadlifts. Um, what, I, what I suppose I don't like are the little thin crappy belts, the ones that are thick at the back and thin at the front. Mm. Um, for for anything really i don't think they're fantastic belts if you want a belt go get a proper um 10 or 13 mil powerlifting belt and you learn to use it properly sweet okay now next one then with more so with the the old school sort of bodybuilding following uh, heads half reps okay you know you know the people that go in, not the half rep where they literally take it off and then go back up. Not them sort of ones, but you know, okay. pe- people never going through that full range of motion, that yep. sort of a bench press. What yep. would you say to somebody like that after like, right, honest opinion? Stop doing it. <laughs> just just, just take, take that idea and throw it in the bin. Um, we want to work our muscle through as full a uh, range as safely as possible. Uh, and as fully as possible. Uh, that doesn't mean the joint, that means the muscle. So, you know, um, uh, there is literally, <sighs> there's very little research to suggest that half reps are good. I've seen a little bit of research saying that half squats are pretty decent for sprinters um, because they never really get into a full squat position apart from starting blocks. Um, but if your goal is to get stronger, if it's to get bigger, fitter, faster, whatever, taking the muscle through its full range or as full a range as you can do safely is always going to be more appropriate. Definitely. So half reps, getting a C. Nowhere. <laughs> Love that. Um, last a uh, few wee questions now yeah, you well, mentioned about the check-ins um is reflect is reflection something that you do yourself um often it's not something i do as often as i should i'm very aware that i should do it more um i think having someone to be accountable to helps a lot so i've had coaches in the past and you know having that accountability and having that okay, I need to do this every night and then at the end of the week do a, you know, a full recap on my week kind of thing. It's amazing. It's brilliant and it helps. Um, not having someone there to kind of make me do it, I don't do it as often as I should, but I do do it sometimes. Um, and it definitely does help. And it helps you set up the following week as well. That's the main thing. Um, you can see where you've gone right. You can see where you've gone wrong. You can continue to do the right things and hopefully pick up on some of the things that you didn't get quite as right. So yeah, I I would definitely recommend some form of um, uh, personal check-ins once a week or maybe each night. I I, I started doing journaling and like on off like most days, but one thing that I want to start incorporating more is like a more, weekly sort of a thing where I actually like look at like what went well this week what what didn't go as well I think the one thing a few things apart from the lessons that you can take away from it um I think a lot of people forget about the good that they've actually done or or the the positive things usually yeah 
you know yeah. i i have often like like this week i was on the call, uh, call to my coach earlier today and he's like what are you proud of this week and i was like i was struggling to think of it and i was like well i got i got my uh my new t-shirts website up live i've got a new client i was like all these small little things and i'm like yeah yeah i it took me ages to even think of all the good uh, of any of the good things it's hard we're yeah. almost hardwired to think about the bad aren't we yeah um you automatically think what's gone wrong this week as opposed to what's gone right. Um, and that, as I say, that is definitely something that I use with my clients. Like what's the biggest win of the week? Mm. Um, and sometimes it's not even, you know, I, I say in the question, it doesn't have to be in the gym. And quite often it's not, you know, a lot of the times it's, um, you know, I made my kids nutritious lunches every day this week or, you know, whatever it might be, it might be something small or, um, uh, one lady I was coaching was like, I was able to move the sofa by myself. Like, mm. that's awesome. Like, that's, that's, that's what I want with the people I work with, you know, to be able to, uh, another lady, you know, as cliche as it is, she had a jar opening tool and she was able to open jars by herself. You know, <laughs> that's, that's just brilliant. Love that. that. That reminds me, my, I've been coaching my mom online since before lockdown and like doing a wee virtual session with her every now and then. And she said to me a couple of weeks back that she was able to cut the hedges out the back, put it all away in one day, which would usually take her a couple of days. Yeah. And she wasn't sore the next day. And I was like, that's, that's the that's, sort of shit I want to hear. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why we do what we do, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Right. What's the best book that you've read recently or what's your favorite book? Um, my favorite book is a fictional book. Um, it's his Dark Materials trilogy by Philip Pullman. Um, but my most recent book that I've read is James Clear Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. um, which I would urge pretty much everyone to read. Um, looking at have me you got over a, here. You've got a copy. Mm-hmm. Um, James Clear just has a way of communicating, like it just. You're reading it and you're just like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Like, why am I not already doing that? Mm. Um, and the way it's written, just it just speaks volumes, really. So I urge pretty much everyone to, to grab a copy. Even, even if you don't have to action everything in the book, if you take one or two little things away from it, you, you know, your, your life will be so much better for it, really. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one important thing that you don't have to take everything away from it. It's like one or two things. And yeah. The second time you read it, it might be a couple of different things you pick exactly up. Exactly that. Yeah, definitely. Class. Uh, are you are you big on Netflix or like series? Yeah, I'm. I'm What's a, your a series fun. at the moment? Uh, right now, it's, it's Cobra Kai right now. Oh, yes. Um, yep, the Cobra Kai. I fucking so love it, man. Geez, so good. <laughs> I watched, um, I watched the first episode a couple of nights ago. And after the first episode, you're just like, Fuck yes, it's gonna be great. Sick. Oh, <laughs> so man. I'm um, I'm nearly through the first season. Um, it's very good. Me and Christy are watching Good Girls at the minute. She's enjoying that. Um, what did we watch before? Uh, oh, we'll, we'll watch a bit of Lucifer and a bit of. Power. Oh yes, yep, the Lucifer man. Lucifer's great. Yeah, we've Lucifer's got good fantastic. taste in series. Yeah, it's very good. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really enjoying Cup of Kai right now. It's very good. Dana, uh, my girlfriend, she'd never seen Karate Kid before, so we got about two or three episodes in. I was like, no, we have to go back and watch Karate Kid. Watch the actual. You do, you do, hundred percent. Because there's so many little nods to the old stuff that you have to just go back and watch it. Yeah, but it's it's very good. That's probably <laughs> one of the best series I've seen pop up in a little while. Mm. Um, are you big into movies? 
Yeah, uh, I've not obviously with lockdown. Like I used to go to the movies quite a bit. You know, mm. I would see the the latest release and stuff. Mm. Um, but it's been a while really since I've well since anyone's been to the, the movies. Um, what's what's the what would be? It's, it's hard pick trying to pick your best film. I always like I feel bad even asking. But what no. would be what would be your favorite film? Or I mean, I'll give you three. <laughs> you're so kind. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so yeah. you know, Star Wars is is hugely going to be up there. Um, in terms of, uh, I, I'm put on the spot here massively. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Three um, ones, one that you can think of off the top of head. Star Wars, that's good enough. If you can't think of anything else, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Um, the original Matrix, I don't think, you know, that's, I mean, that's a fantastic movie. Uh, and I've been meaning to go back and watch it uh, recently, but I've just not, I've not found it, actually. Um, I think I'll have, have to buy it or something, but no. The original Matrix, CX but, and get it for four quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Class. Uh, are you big into music? I think I've seen you putting Metallica on, onto one of your videos. Um, yeah, I, I'll listen to it. I have very specific music for specific moods. I think everyone's like that. Um, and I have a very, very wide base of everything that I will listen to. You know, um, I'm a huge lover of trance and dance music. Um, but, but, you know, in the gym, it's definitely rock and metal. Um, I love Pink Floyd. Um, I enjoy classical music, you know, so say if I'm sitting down to make some content for Instagram or write out some client programs. I might throw in some classical music, um, anything really. I, was, I grew up with my dad. My mom and dad loved like country and folk music and stuff and guitars were big in our house. So mm. yeah, we're quite musical really. Good. Yeah, I am um, similar to yourself in the fact that I listen to a massive variety of music, mm. massive variety. Um, I actually had a client who loved classical music before and I used to always listen to classical music when I was training hard. So since then, I've kind of got in the habit of listening to just classical music if I'm doing bits of work or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something I've shared a couple of weeks ago was my, I, I call it my epic pump-up playlist. And it's, it's music from like movies or video games that, you know when something epic is about to happen? Mm in a movie it's that music it's usually like Hans Zimmer or someone like that and you're just like yes this is brilliant let's let's go kind of thing deshi deshi basa from yeah. fucking Batman yeah <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that one it's just so intense man <laughs> uh, what uh, would there be one album that you would would say is your favourite album or would you be more so just picking tunes rather than albums uh, I normally just pick tunes there are a couple of great albums out there you know um Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd is obviously mm. up there. Um, oh, I'd be hard picked to choose a metallic album. Oh, uh, I, very... Justice for All is 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 it for me? I I just love really? that from the start. That's the one with Black in at the start, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, just that first song. It's the opener. It just, just grabs you by it, the yeah. balls, and that's it. <laughs> um, my very first album that I ever got was it was on tape and it was uh Foo Fighters Colour and Shape and that's a great album. I think you can listen to that from start to finish pretty much. Love that. That's uh one of the main reasons why I've got back into albums is because they're up they're 
a piece of art almost from start to finish. It's like, yeah, yeah. Listen to the songs is good, but a lot of albums tell stories, and I think, um, especially with like in rock, it tends, it's nearly always the case that the album nearly tells a story from start to yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's put together with purpose. Mm, love that. So it deserves to be listened and yeah, purpose. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I tell you what, that fucking time flew. That was a that was a great old oh, chat we had, quick, man. Quick, quick one. It goes quite quick, doesn't it? It does, it does, it does. And uh, so, best way to finish off would be for you to tell everybody like what what's happening with yourself, where to find you on Instagram, and also what services you can offer them. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, my Instagram is uh, Joel Dowry underscore Coach. Um, I'm currently uh, putting together. Uh, I was saying before we started recording this that I don't actually have a name for it yet. Um, it's just going to be a huge online resource uh like a library of videos where anyone um you know beginner kind of intermediate that's the level it's going to be pitched that uh can come and learn about fitness health strength nutrition uh and pick up everything that you need to learn hopefully to you know get you towards your goals um and it's hopefully going to be a nice little community in there you know it's going to be a, a closed private facebook group um so that everyone in there can get to know each other can help each other i'll be in there to answer questions and all those sorts of things but that's really what i'm working on at the minute is this uh online library at the minute there's uh i don't know how many exercise tutorials i'm doing like there's there's oh, i've lost count of how many of those videos but at the minute there's over 50 videos talking about how to program how to set up your nutrition uh how to flick that little switch in your mindset to get you to where you want to be so as i said it's hopefully going to um help everybody get them but that bit closer towards their goals really love it it sounds like you're you're giving them plenty of context and giving them plenty of food for thought exactly what people need yeah, hopefully, and just helping them get cut through the industry bullshit, really. You know, there's there's too much of it out there, and um, I want them to arm themselves with uh, as much uh, information as possible, or good information as possible, so that they can make the, the correct choices themselves. I like that. Arm yourself. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. That's fine. You crack on. I, I, I really enjoyed this one. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. Take care, bud. Lovely. And we are...